children's ministry volunteers. They are my favorite people on the planet. These folks willingly give their time to invest in God's kids, but the question we're asking today is, are we investing in them? Are we helping them to grow as leaders and setting them up to win? And really, what's the best way to do that? Now, if you're asking those same questions, then stick around because that's what we're jumping into today on the Simple Kid Men Podcast, Episode 4. Hey gang, welcome back to another exciting episode of the Simple Kid Men Podcast, the podcast for the coolest people in the world, children's ministers. You love kids, you love Jesus, what could be cooler than that? Well, as always, don't forget to check out the show notes to this episode over at simplekidmen.com where I'm going to give you a bunch of links, pictures, video, and other cool stuff whenever possible just to expand on what we're talking about in each episode and help you to learn more. Hey, this is part two of a two-part episode about setting our leaders up to win. Now, in the last episode, we said that there are eight things every leader needs from us to succeed. And last time, we unpacked the first four things that leaders need, which were vision, clear expectations, the right tools, and the right environment. If you want to take a deeper dive on those, check out episode three. Today, though, we're going to be hitting the last four things that every leader needs from us, not just to survive, but to thrive in children's ministry. And the first one we're going to hit today is encouragement. In his book called The Volunteer Revolution, Bill Hybel said, volunteers should be reminded again and again that they're valued, that what they're doing is part of the redemptive drama that's been going on throughout human history, that the role that they're playing is not insignificant, that God treasures every task they perform, every hour of service they render. We all need encouragement. We all need someone to remind us that we're not crazy for sticking with children's ministry. So How do you do that? How do you encourage your leaders? Sometimes it's great to do a gift card or some candy or cookies or something for everyone for like a leader appreciation weekend. But the encouragement that I'm talking about today is really more personal than that. It's more individual than that. And, you know, sometimes really the simplest things are what's best. A card, a phone call, an email, a high five, a hug, just noticing someone, looking them in the eye and saying thank you. That can make a world of difference. I love this phrase that Andy Stanley uses, do for one what you wish you could do for everyone, which basically means you can't change the whole world at once. So just make a difference for one person. Look for opportunities to encourage individual leaders. Now, you can't encourage everyone all the time, but you can encourage one person at a time. And over weeks and months, then that makes a difference. It adds up to a culture of encouragement on your team. Now, sometimes a personal, private word of encouragement is the best way to go, but other times, you might have the chance to honor a leader in front of other leaders, and that can be a really powerful thing. Last month, I got an email from a dad telling me the impact that a couple of our small group leaders had made on his daughter, and I didn't pass that email along, but I saved it for a leader training event we had last week. And then as part of the presentation, I read this email to everyone in the room and surprised those two leaders who were mentioned by honoring them in front of their peers. Now, they had no idea it was coming. It was an awesome moment to see the look on their faces as we celebrated these two humble volunteers. I don't often get to do that, but it was just a special, powerful moment for our team to publicly honor them all together. Another tip I'd recommend here is whenever possible, especially with key leaders you're going to be investing in consistently, learn your leader's primary love language. Now, this is an idea from Gary Chapman, who's written several books on this subject of how we each have a preferred way to receive love and encouragement. And for some people, that might be words of affirmation. That's the most powerful path to encouragement. But for someone else, it might just be spending time with them. Or for others, maybe a thoughtful gift is the best way to go. 
Now, we generally give encouragement the way we want to receive it, so we have to be careful to make sure we're showing love in the way that's going to be most meaningful for the leader and not just for us. Here's a great example. I'm a words of affirmation guy myself, but my wife's primary love language is quality time. So you can imagine when we first got married, it took me a while to realize that my encouraging words didn't mean nearly as much to her as they would have to me. It wasn't having the impact on her that I thought it would. Not nearly as much as just blocking out some time to hang out together. See, God has wired all of us in a unique way, and we all receive love and encouragement in a unique way as a part of that. So just encourage your leaders in a way that's going to be most meaningful to them whenever you can. Another simple way that you can encourage leaders is just to let them know you're listening to them. And let them know that you're going to incorporate their feedback into the ministry whenever you can. Now, I have a wonderful coach named Becky who came to me for months telling me how miserable it was in one of our preschool rooms. And the reason it was miserable is because one of the walls was all glass and it faced the east, which meant that the morning sun was blazing on all the kids and leaders by our 930 service. Not only was it hot, but it was so bright in there, I thought we were going to have to start passing out sunglasses at the door as the kids came in. So I got it. I understood that it was a real issue. And I took the issue to our facilities guy and our finance guy. And thanks to them, eventually we were able to invest some dollars to get the windows treated and fix the problem. But even along the way, you know, before we could do anything about it, I kept telling Becky, I hear you. I'm listening. And you have a really valid concern. And as soon as we can get something done about it, we will. And once we did fix the problem, I made sure that Becky knew that we made those changes because of her input. I wanted her to know that I was listening. And I took her feedback seriously. And that's an encouraging thing, just to know that we're heard and that our opinion matters. So do that whenever you can. Now, the next thing our leaders need from us to set them up to win is challenge. High-capacity leaders don't want to be asked to do something small. I've seen way too many children's ministers who are afraid of inconveniencing their volunteers by asking them to sacrifice and to do big things. So challenge your leaders to grow and go to the next level and watch them rise to the occasion. Four years ago, we implemented a coaching system in our volunteer structure, and I had some teammates who were seriously freaked out about asking small group leaders to take on this extra responsibility. But they took some time to pray about it, took some time to pray about who they should ask, and the cool thing was that when they asked these volunteers to go to the next level, there was not a single person they approached who saw it as an inconvenience or a burden. In fact, every single person who was asked was flattered. They were flattered that they would be chosen to lead at a higher level. Now, not everybody could commit to it in that season, but it was still just a special thing for them to be asked. At our training event last week, I challenged our small group leaders to do more outside of Sunday mornings to build relationships with their kids, and I gave them some really specific ideas to try. Things like sending cards or going to ball games or dance recitals or keeping track of prayer requests and following up on them week after week. Challenge them to host special events outside of Sunday mornings, and I'm excited to see how they rise to that challenge. Now, when I gave them that challenge, I didn't apologize for it, but I also didn't do it in a scolding way. I just wrapped it in a lot of vision. I gave them several win stories to show them how much they were already making a difference, and then really just challenged them to say how much more of a difference they could make if they invested more of their lives with the kids. When you speak to people's potential, great things can happen. That challenge really was an invitation just to become more of the leader that God made them to be. Great leaders want to do great things. So, Are you challenging your leaders? Are you giving them big, important things to do? Or is their role insignificant? Now, the next thing that leaders need from us to set them up to win is freedom. Our volunteers are not minions. They're not here to do our bidding or lead in ministry the way that we would do it. We're not raising up clones. We're raising up leaders. 
Now, as I said in the last episode, leaders need highly directive leadership when they first start out. You need to be really clear with your expectations. But as you train leaders, as you disciple them, you begin to build that leadership DNA into them so that they can take that training and then they can innovate in their own unique way. In John 15, 15, Jesus said, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. Jesus was very directive when he first called the disciples to ministry, but he was preparing them for the day that he would be gone and eventually he would turn the keys of the church over to them. And in the same way, we need to prepare our leaders for the day when we won't be looking over their shoulders. And that's going to mean that they're going to do things in ways that we wouldn't necessarily do them. And that's a good thing. The church already has one of you. They don't need another one, and they don't need another one of me. They need each of us living out our unique giftedness with the Holy Spirit wherever God's called us to serve. Now, you're still going to want to establish some non-negotiables, and you'll need to decide what those are for you. But once you've established those, let your leaders innovate, and don't try to micromanage or control them. As they grow, give them increasing freedom within a framework and watch them thrive. Finally, if you want to set leaders up to win, the most important thing they need is a relationship. Don't just invite them to do a task. Invite them to be a part of your ministry family. Share your life with them. Paul said it like this in 1 Thessalonians 2.7. He said, Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Ministry is all about relationships. Now, several years ago, I remember asking a volunteer if another leader in his environment had shown up for the day because I hadn't seen them yet. And a little embarrassed, he admitted, I don't even know the names of the people in my room. Well, I knew that needed to change. So at our church, we've been working really hard to build community with our teams. That's why we implemented our coaching structure. So each team of leaders has a volunteer coach who invests in them relationally and leads their team on Sunday mornings. A couple of weeks ago, one of our preschool coaches took her team out to a movie. Others have grabbed their team for coffee between services. Sometimes we do community building events like pitch-ins and game nights and parties just to give our leaders more time to hang out together. Some of our coaches even use a texting app called GroupMe so that their team can chat and connect outside of Sunday mornings. One of our leaders a few years ago went to the emergency room on a Saturday night. The first people his wife texted were the folks on that texting app. It was the folks on their team in children's ministry. Why? Because they had become a family. Now, this doesn't happen on every single team, but that's what we're working towards in our ministry. Now, in our setting, there's no way our staff could have relationships with every volunteer, at least not deep ones. But our coaches can, so we encourage them to invest in their team in the same way that they want their team to invest in the kids. Now, encouragement and challenge that we talked about earlier, those happen best in the context of relationship. We're the most encouraged by people that we know love us and care about us. We're the most open to being challenged and rising to that challenge when it comes from somebody who we know believes in us, someone we trust. Relationship makes all the rest of this stuff possible. All right, so that's it. Encouragement, challenge, freedom, and relationships. Those are the last four things, maybe the most important four things your leaders need from you to set them up to win. So how are you doing with your leaders? Are you setting them up to win? Not just in the four things that we talked about today, but in all eight things that we've covered over the last couple of episodes. I've created a little tool that will help you with some self-evaluation. Go over to simplekidmen.com and download the Leader Culture Report Card. And I've created a column for where you are now. Give yourself a grade in each one of those eight areas. But also, in way of encouragement, I've created a column for where you were a year ago. So which one of these things maybe have you seen some improvement in over the last year? And celebrate that. 
But also, are there any areas that maybe have slipped off your radar that you think, you know, I'm going to need to give some attention to that one because it used to be stronger? Or maybe there's an area where it's never been strong and you really want to grow it. So just give yourself a grade in each one of those areas. And if you're really feeling brave, send that report card to some of your leaders and ask them to give you a grade in how they think it's going. How do they think that you're setting them up to win? Once you get all this together, just pick one area to work on and just see if you can bring those grades up in the next six months. I'm going to be doing the same thing uh, at my church with my team. And so we'll revisit our progress and talk through this again in another six months or so. All right, the simple takeaway for today is help your leaders to grow. Remember, it's not about getting them to do a job. Leading leaders is about shepherding God's people, helping them to grow up in their faith as they exercise their gifts in ministry. Our verse for today comes to us from Hebrews 10, 24, which says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And that's really what it comes down to. How can you spur your leaders on toward love and good deeds as they minister to kids and families in your church. Well, that's it for today, friends. Thanks for joining me. Make sure to check out the show notes over at simplekidmen.com. Over there, I'm going to have some links for you, tools like the GroupMe app and a link to the Bill Hybels book and five love languages resources and the Andy Stanley sermon I mentioned and maybe a few more things. So hope you found this encouraging. If you liked what you heard, tell all your children's ministry friends about this podcast because I just want to help as many children's ministers as I can. Hope you have an awesome week helping your leaders to grow and watching God use them. I'll see you next time.